your exclusive home for prop sports. Oh, let's go! It's good! This is Rowan Radio. Connors with the game winner! 89.7 WGLS-FM, Glassboro. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. And now, here's your host, Aaron Hook. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS FM, RowanRadio.com, Channel 2 here coming to you live just past the 5 o'clock hour in Glassboro. Aaron Hook with you here for the Monday edition of Offsides, joined by Owen Colwell and Aiden Ray here in the WGLS studios. Gentlemen, we have concluded all-star weekend in the NBA we are now moving into I guess the second half of the season although it's past the halfway point in terms of games played and we had the all-star weekend festivities uh we will get into all of that obviously the first full week um really since uh the Super Bowl has also passed us by and so we are starting to move into really kind of prime like mock draft season and with free agency around the corner, we've got some NFL things to discuss as well and some MLB news as spring training uh, starts up this week with the Dodgers and Padres getting underway on Thursday for the first spring training game. And so, guys, I welcome both of you in here on this Monday evening slash afternoon. And uh, I just want to kind of gauge where both of you guys uh are, are are sitting here on February the 19th. Uh, it's an interesting period in kind of the sports calendar with the NFL just wrapping up and the NBA now really getting into the, into the thick of the season. Yeah, so I'm excited to see where the second half of the NBA season will take us, especially as a Knicks fan. You know, they were really banged up heading into the All-Star break, and I think they really needed the break. So hopefully they come out of that stronger in terms of less injuries and guys coming back. And then I'm also looking forward to spring training starting because baseball is my favorite sport and I am really feel like a little kid again this time of year when opening day rolls around. Even with the Mets and their offseason and the way they are approaching this upcoming season, you still feel that way? Yeah, because, you know, there's – they. You, in the beginning, you always feel like you have a shot, except if you're, you know, the Oakland A's, let's say. But I think I think the Mets do have some players who can surprise people. I think they have some guys who are going to play well, but at the end of the day, we'll, we'll see what happens. And then what about you on the other side as a Yankees fan? So, yeah, um, hope, excited for spring training. Like, at this time, looking forward to baseball just because football season is over. And knowing me, I've been watching a lot of um, seasons where I get all the excitement up and it just it will fall apart at some point. But again, we're in 2024. I'm excited to see what Juan Soto is able to produce for this Yankees team. Hopefully fill up that lineup more. And then just like Owen, as me as a Knicks fan as well, much needed break. We are on a four-game losing streak right now. So, But again, you're going to lose some games. At any point, they do come back Thursday, though, against the Sixers, so they got to um, hopefully regroup and come back like that, too. And then, of course, um, one thing I want to mention that's not related to this, um, MetLife Stadium yesterday, um, New York Rangers beating the Islanders 6-5. to What a game that was. Big comeback win for um, the boys in blue there for the uh, New York Rangers. Um, I did see parts of that game, actually. And Very exciting game. Mm-hmm. No, I... It was like four one Islanders at one point. Like, I just felt I just did not know how to like react because we were down like five three, like four, like le- under like a little over four minutes to go, and it just happens like that. Ten seconds in overtime, winner. Like, wow, wow. 
So where where are the stadium? Uh, where's the stadium series going next season? Ohio Stadium, Ohio State. Oh wow, that should be a good. One. It'll be Blue Jackets and Detroit Red Wings. And so the so the Devils played the Flyers the day prior. Yes, right, Friday or Devils Saturday, Saturday night, six to three. Or no, Friday night, right? Yeah. Saturday, Saturday night. night, Saturday. The okay. night like the dunk contest and all that was. Yeah, got it. And who took that one? Devils, Devils won. Devils 6-3, then the Rangers won 6-5 in overtime over the Islanders. Nice. Overall, a great weekend at MetLife. And, of course, the New Jersey, New York area, um, of course, with their hockey teams, are all like, they're like pretty popular, specifically the Rangers, Devils, and Flyers, of course. And, of course, they were all able to like represent their cities like going in. Of course, the Devils did the Sopranos, the Flyers did Rocky, the Rangers like went on like New York Fire Department, represented New York Fire Department and Police Department. Stuff like that. So, yeah, um, that was a great weekend of uh, be, being able to watch it with the NBA All-Star game as well. So, first weekend of no NFL, but still, we, we did we did have some stuff on. Yes, we did. And, and you mentioned the NBA All-Star weekend uh, festivities that went on, and specifically the All-Star game where in this one, guys, it just looked like, you know, even in compared to years past where – even, you know, going into this game, everyone kind of knew that the All-Star game was not a it's exactly competitive um, type of atmosphere. And, you know, over the All-Star weekend, the All-Star game, you know, has long been just a chance to get, obviously, the best group of talent in the world on the court at the same time. And, you know, for there to be a bunch of highlight plays. And in years past, you know, especially with the target score and everything that came into play, um, a few years back, it, it, you know, the All-Star game at, at some point did have kind of that factor to it where you saw guys being competitive and playing for that target score and it, you know, being an intense kind of uh, environment and it was a great product that the NBA could put on, on TV or whatever. And, you know, this year it, it just didn't really have that same feel much at all. It, it seemed like everyone was kind of just out there um, not wanting to get the game over with, but there wasn't much resistance defensively as we did have a new all-star game record with the East winning by a final score of 211 to 186. So the East uh, putting up that amount of points um, is it, it, just kind of ridiculous. Uh, and, you know, again, all-star games tend to be Obviously, very high scoring. However, you know, 211 is just kind of a different number. Um, and so I want to kind of get your guys' thoughts on uh, the game um, last night. And obviously, we had Damian Lillard um, of the Milwaukee Bucks, who was, um, you know, once again crowned the three-point champion. Uh, playing in the city of one of his rival teams, in-division teams, the Indiana Pacers, Damian Lillard of the Bucks named MVP after having 39 points last night. Uh, so what do you guys think about kind of the direction and the future of the All-Star game? Is there anything the NBA to kind of implement or switch up to make it more meaningful and give players more of an incentive to actually, you know, try on both sides of the ball and not for just to kind of be a – you know, it almost looked like a shoot-around yesterday. Guys were just kind of jogging up and down the floor and hoisting threes and throwing alley-oops. So. Yeah, so I have a few things. I think I did watch some of the end of the All-Star game last night, and I saw Lillard's half-court shot. I saw Luka tried to lob one up from, like, three three-quarters of the court, basically. I do think that... The target score, the first year they did that, I thought it, the product on the court was really good. But obviously, the, they did away with it. It wasn't – I didn't really find enjoyment out of watching it. I know Anthony Edwards had a quote last night. He said, it's an all-star game for me. I don't think I will ever look at it like being super competitive, which I, I can agree with that too. And I did see another thing online where about the NBA kind of pushing an incentive to make the players compete harder. Somebody offered that the winner would have home court advantage in the finals. And we saw that MLB used to do that with their all-star game 
where the winning um, league would have home field advantage in the World Series. But I don't think they should do that either because, you know, there are guys competing with each other where if if you were the all-star game MVP, let's say, and then one of your rivals makes the World Series or the finals, like you kind of help them win the finals possibly by ha- letting them have home court advantage. So I'm really not sure where the NBA is going to go, but bottom line is 211 to 186. That's a score that you're never going to see in a normal regular season game. <laughs> no, and I-, I think the All-Star game is obviously a place where you know we have, again, these crazy scoring numbers, and we've seen Steph and Dame in years past just you know throwing stuff up from half court and, and hitting it. Uh, from half court as well so you know it obviously has been that type of atmosphere but this year in particular I think there was just a sense of um, fans just kind of seeing the game at at this point and it's kind of been like the Pro Bowl effect as well where it's like you know it just doesn't mean much anymore at all and you know all-star games whether you're talking Pro Bowl or in the NBA and of course like you said Owen in the uh, MLB with Major League Baseball and having the World Series home field advantage being determined by the All-Star Game. Um, the All-Star Game used to, yes, be a celebration of all the leads, best talent, obviously, and it's over a portion of the season in any sport where, you know, I, I just the NFL is, is a bit of an exception because the Super Bowl does immediately follow it. But, you know, for uh, 90% of the players there, or really uh, all the players there, because if you're playing in a Super Bowl, you're not competing in the Pro Bowl. So, you know, even for those guys, it's a portion of their season where, you know, their season's over. They're supposed to be kind of in that stage before, um, you know, the end of the spring and into the summer hits where they're getting back at it, OTAs, uh, workouts, all this stuff, and their offseason kind of concludes. It's supposed to be in a spot where, you know, again, they can have fun with it and be on a bit of a break, a vacation um, and again, just have fun with the game. But I mean, you want to talk about all the types of scoring records in terms of all-star games that were broken last night, uh, just to show kind of the, uh, defensive, I would say, um, kind of just lack of any defensive presence last night, really. Um, so 211 points by the East all-stars last night is an all-star game record. Like we said, uh, most points combined between two teams, 397 last night. That is a new record. Most points by a team and a half. The East All-Stars had 107 at halftime. That's a new record. Um, most points and a half between two teams, 204 between both last night. It was 107-107-97, or yeah, 107-97, I should say, at the half. Uh, that is also a new record. And then most points in a quarter uh, between both teams, 103 um, and that came in the third quarter of last night's game. That is also a new all-star game record. Um, and so it, it's just, I don't know what exactly they could do, Aiden. Um, like Owen said, he, he kind of brought up the playing for home court advantage. And while I think, you know, I was certainly a fan of it when Major League Baseball had that for their all-star game, I think he's right. I think, you know, some of these guys are not going to want to go out there and compete um, and then have it potentially backfire on them in in the postseason. Uh, so I, I really don't know what they could do, but I, I don't know if you agree that there was kind of just this sense, especially from the fans, that last night's game just, you know, in particular, just looked like the guys almost didn't. I, 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 I hesitate to say that they didn't care about the game because I think they did. I think they wanted to go out, obviously put on a show, but guys are out there and just not giving it even close to their effort, especially on the defensive end of the floor. Not many guys look like they're trying on that end most of the time. Yeah, that's true. Especially giving up 211 points, just like Owen said. We're we're ne- I don't think we're ever gonna see that. Like ever gonna see that in a typical NBA game. And of course, no defense at all. Like, but again, like you know, this is a of course. You're gonna like understand what do the fa- like what do you want to give to the fans that are coming to this event? Of course, this event being in Indianapolis, where the Pacers play. Tyrese Halliburton plays with the Pacers, of course. So, and of course, he was an All Star. So, um, like, legitimate. Let's look at this. So, 
three players in the East had at least 30 points. Dame Lillard had 39, Jalen Brown 36, and Halliburton at 32. On the West side, Carl Anthony Towns at 50, Shai Gilgis Alexander at 31. Like, a lot of, like, big point scorers. I mean, don't get me wrong, a lot of points does sound exciting, but it's just, like, they're not, there's just no defense being played. But compares to, like, the MLB, for example, the MLB, it's actually, like, try like they they actually like actually try because it's actually like a normal baseball game a normal score that we see in like baseball games we it's not gonna be like oh it's like 30 to 27 as the score like or something like that like no but but again NBA all-star weekend is a great it's been a great weekend overall so there's like I'm not trying to like take full-on shots towards that but again, they definitely do need to do some stuff better, and of course, show that they like, show that they like, full on want to play. But again, I don't blame them for just wanting to have fun, just like the Pro Bowl. Right. I mean, you know, you take a guy like you know the late Kobe Bryant, and he was multiple times quoted as saying like, you know, since the fans voted us in, we kind of owe them. Um, you know, the responsibility of playing the same way we do during the season, which is go out there every night, compete on both ends of the floor, and play hard um, and be competitive and, you know, not treat it like uh, a place where, you know, you're voted in and, you know, guys are just kind of trying to lolly-dad it up and down the floor and it's just going to kind of be, you know, an hour and a half to two hours of of – you know, trying out stuff that you would never see in a game or kind of doing goofy stuff. Um, and so, you know, you had the media kind of criticizing the All-Star Game, Tendra Perkins saying, um, you know, it was an embarrassment and all this. I, I, I think for the NBA, this is certainly the worst um, PR-wise that it's it, the reaction has been to the All-Star Game in a while, even though, Owen, I think, you know, the kind of consensus around the All-Star Game for a few years now has been, you know, the same, that we've kind of understood that it has been this way, but I think last night kind of pushed it over the edge for a lot of fans. Yeah, I mean, the last time it was this high scoring, I I remember watching the All-Star game and being really excited when I first started becoming a fan of the NBA. And then about halfway through, Halfway through, maybe even for end of the first quarter, I find myself thinking like, "All right, why was I so hyped up to watch this when this is, this is all they're going to do?" Because they're basically just they're they're attempting trick shots out there pretty much for for most of the game. I I will say though that I do think the um, festivities for the All Star Saturday with the dunk contest three point. That stuff, I think I really like that because I think it gives the players a chance to compete more than the actual game provides them to. And even though I do think the dunk contest, even though I'm not extremely happy with that as the years have gone on, I do think it's still a good way for players to show off better than the actual game. So in terms of that stuff, and before we go to break, we'll talk a little bit about the Saturday night stuff. Um so we had the Steelers Challenge, and we had Team Pacers win in Indiana. Tyrese Halburn, uh, Ben Matherin, and Miles Turner. Um, so that was a nice I, – I think the Steelers Challenge gets more creative year after year. I liked it this year with the kind of relay thing. Um, and then the the passing stuff. Uh, I You know, I, I think it's cool, and I liked how they had the number one pits together. They kind of just threw a random team of all-stars together. Um, as well. Uh, so that was kind of cool. Um, but then, yeah, the dunk contest, I, I, I think we can do the dunk contest first because what a performance it was by, uh, Jalen Brown, huh? He was throwing down some, some monster dunks. I mean, <laughs> dunking over a guy in a chair is well, a four foot, a little Kai Sinat, Kai Sinat, um, Kai gets Sinat. a 47.6, like, Kai Sinat is he's a he's a YouTuber and he's like a Twitch streamer. Well, he's listed as five foot, th- five foot. 
I don't know. I'm seeing I'm seeing five three, five nine, five eight, five four. I mean, we could tell, right? When he was sitting down in the chair, he wasn't. A, he's n- he's not a exactly lengthy guy. Yeah. And Jalen Brown, I mean, and he was getting really good scores too. The the judges were not, or um, the fans were not happy with some of the judges' calls um, the other night because I mean, Jalen Brown was doing some dunks that he would do in game, right? Nothing too crazy. Uh, and he was getting high scores on pretty much all of them. Obviously, made it to the final round, and Mac McClellan had to uh, secure it there in the finals to repeat as the champ. But Jalen Brown was getting some pretty favorable uh, scores there from the judging panel. Yeah, I will say that I do think that Jalen Brown, he was a little bit more creative in the sense that he brought out the glove to wear on his left hand. I like that. Because he said... That was funny. Multiple... People have criticized him, saying that he can't use his left hand in game. I w- I do think though that, like as as we've said of him jumping over uh, Kai Sanat, um, Jaime Jaquez, who also competed in the dunk contest, he jumped over Shaq. I want to say it was Mac McClung who jumped on the off he jumped, of. He jumped over Shaq. Yeah. He also jumped over two people. Exactly. Yeah. A guy who had another guy sitting on his shoulders. So. When it comes down to that, I think in years past and especially recently, those are the kinds of dunks that players are resorting to do during the contest. Mm -hmm. I think uh, uh, Jacob Toppin on the Knicks, I think he got robbed a little bit. Yeah, I think he was throwing down some pretty nice slams. The one he he took off Obi's head was particularly – I think he cleared him and he kind of – Rocked the cradle a little bit and and threw it down. So I, I mean, and you know, Mac McClellan, who ended up winning it, even said like, I, I think I could have put on a better performance, even though I thought he had some pretty crazy dunks. Um, my favorite was the one where he throws it to himself, catches it. I'm like, like I don't think people realize how kind of crazy that is. Yeah. Like To catch to just toss it to yourself in midair, catch it and and reverse slam that thing. That's tough to do. You got to have some hang time. So, I thought Mac was pretty good again. I think they were right. They said it on the broadcast on TNT. They said last year he had the surprise factor. So maybe his performance last year was a little more kind of just out of nowhere and took the world by storm, right? So it kind of created that um, kind of you know shockwave, um, and maybe that added to the performance a little bit. But I still thought he was great. However, he said he could have he could have been better. He said he thought maybe he could have pulled out some some more creative stuff. So I, I'm wondering. And again, the All Star and again the dunk contest is in an interesting talking place as well, guys. Like because you have you did have Jalen Brown in it this year, who's an All Star. But we've seen they've they've you know tended to go with guys who around the league just have more of a, a reputation as being great dunkers, and they've obviously now taking McClellan from the G League the past two years and Toppin playing for the Knicks G League team this year was in it as well, although he has seen some NBA time. and um, You know, where do we think the dunk contest is going from here? Like, because I, I think a lot of people this year were maybe a little bit disappointed with it, although I thought it was pretty good. I, I, do you think, you know, if it were a bunch of all-stars, you know, do you think that would kind of change the perception around the dunk contest at all, or do you think they're just going to need someone to to kind of come out and do something that's never really been done before on, like, all of their dunks to kind of recapture the magic of the dunk contest? Even though, again, I thought it was pretty good this year. I did enjoy the dunk contest a lot this year. I think that in order to change the way that people view the dunk contest, they're gonna you're going to have to try something that people have never if ever seen before because as we as we go back talking about different players who have won the contests in years past obviously McClung's won it two years in a row Obi Toppin won it in 22 Anthony Simons the year before that Derek Jones Jr. Hamidou Diallo Donovan Mitchell we keep going and I think if you take a look at the list 
in years prior, we're talking 10 years ago, we would I would say definitely winners have been all-stars and everything. But more recently, it's not all-star names who are winning these contests. And I think that kind of has to do with these guys want to prove themselves. They have more of a bit of an edge to them in terms of trying to get to the top. So I really don't know what kind of the direction that the dunk contest is going to take, but I feel like Mac McClung is going to come out next year looking for a three-peat. I don't know who else might challenge him, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, I think going into the G League is a good idea, trying to find some talent there. And I think Jacob Toppin is a guy who, I mean, he's he's bouncy, man. He's one of the best dunkers. I, I would think if he was getting regular NBA minutes, I would say he was probably, you know, he'd probably be one of the better dunkers in the league. And I think he did show that, although you're right, Owen. I think his scores were a, a bit skewed as well. I just don't, I don't know. I, I don't want to be a Jalen Brown hater. I don't because, you know, the guy's a really good player. But I don't know. <laughs> Some of the scores were very interesting. Um, now the three-point contest, um, Damian Lord repeats as the champ. Uh, there was he, he he was part of a tiebreaker in the first round, and then he came out of that tiebreaker, got to the final round. Cat uh, and Trey Young were tied for twenty-four, and then Dame won it, hitting the final shot for twenty-six. And um, becoming the bat-to-bat three-point contest champion. And so I think the three-point contest is in a pretty good spot. Out of all the events, I think, you know, Reggie Miller said it last night, it's the premier event of Saturday night. I think it's really cool. I mean, the guys this year were really all hitting their shots. But obviously the added element this year was Stephen Curry and Sabrina Inescu going at it. Um one-on-one, you know, head-to-head in, in a three-point shootout, and Sabrina was shooting from the NBA line with the WNBA ball, and she did pretty damn good, 26 uh, in her attempt, which is a it's a really good score. Um, obviously hit all five shots on her first rack, came out with a statement, uh, and then I believe hit like eight or nine out of her last ten shots too. So Sabrina, man, she is a, a fantastic shooter, honestly one of the best in the world. Um and so I thought it was very entertaining. Stephen Curry obviously <laughs> defeating her, but I mean it's Stephen Curry. It's yeah. just hard to. So I, I, you know, before we had to break seriously this time, um, I want to see like, what do you guys think about them moving forward with this? Do you think it'll be Stephen Sabrina from years on, or do you think at some point maybe they'll continue this, like almost like the match in golf, even though there's no All Star game for that? Obviously, like, do you think they'll have a different NBA player and a different WNBA player. You know, when Caitlin Clark comes along next year, do you think she'll maybe get a shot to go at Steph or someone else? How do you think the NBA is going to kind of approach this new kind of added um, event to All-Star Weekend with the Steph versus Sabrina on Saturday night? Yeah, I w- what I got to say first thing, that was a very well-run run event. Um, of course, Sabrina hitting 26, getting 26 points out of – her three-point shots so this is definitely like a perfectly well marketed um event that could happen during all-star weekend for years of course we could see this with like not just Stefan sabrina but we like potentially caitlin clark can be a perfect example for like later on then of course like it shows it can show it can definitely grow women's basketball as a whole because the WNBA, knowing that it's not really like marketed or like promoted too well so sabrina ionescu did a um, great job being able to take an opportunity and challenge with Steph Curry. And they both kept it close. But the one thing I got to, like, say about this is Kenny the Jet Smith. Why are you going coming at <laughs> Sabrina Ionescu after she put up an amazing fight? Yeah, Teddy. I- and she tied with most of the NBA players. She shot from, from where Steph was shooting, too. So, mm-hmm. Sabrina, you got to give her all the credit she deserves because she was able to – not back out of this. She was able to challenge with Curry, who is one of the best, who's probably one the best three-point shooter we've ever seen and a, a massive influence in the sport of basketball around the world. So Sabrina Ionescu could definitely be one of them like for the future because she's she's showing that um, women's basketball um, can actually be um, pretty solid with 
certain players. Mm-hmm. I was seeing on Twitter, Kenny, Kenny Smith, D1 hater, and, you know, it was kind of just I, – I, I don't know because Reggie Miller was, like, saying something as well as the contest was going on. He was like, you know, she got to get off to a hot start and all this. And um, I, I think she might have been talking about the, the size of the ball as well. And Kenny Smith was kind of just, like, on the fly. He was, like, defending her as she was making shots. And then, like, as it wrapped up, for some reason, Kenny's just like, no, and she shot with a smaller ball. It's not fair. I'm like, but, you know, like, we knew she was going to be shooting with the smaller ball. And, yes, does it make a little bit of a difference? Sure. But also, she's a woman shooting with a woman's ball. It's not like Steph Curry was shooting with the woman's ball, right? So, it was an even playing field, especially considering she was shooting from NBA range. So, yeah, oh, and I don't know your thoughts about that, but that was I, – I understand it's not good. It's really not good for him to be, you know, saying stuff like that. And the I, I think the conversation around women's basketball players has – you know, and I think this was a great step for that with Sabrina performing like this. I think it, it needs to continue to – Aim to get to a level where you're, we're just talking about strictly basketball, not men's basketball versus women's basketball and all this. And I think Sabrina proved herself to be one of the best shooters in the world last night, hands down. Um, but I did think it was like – it was humorous. It was just like, come on, man. You know, it's like you, you kind of just wanted to completely avoid any type of comments like that. And, yeah, Kenny Smith was definitely hating a little bit. Yeah, I was I was watching that in real time and I just kind of remember thinking, what's going on here? Like this this went as well as it possibly could have right. gone. So I'd love to see Steph and Sabrina again next year if Caitlin Clark wants to do it. I think that would be awesome. But again, I just think that the bigger picture behind this was just as if not more important than what actually went on on the court because I think that this was a great step that the NBA and WNBA took to make sure that people paid attention to this event and I think that in years to come it should only become more and more put into All-Star Saturday. A hundred percent. So yeah I think you know, the All-Star Weekend as a whole was a pretty good time. I always enjoy Saturday night, I think, more than Sunday. And I think with the conversation we've had here, uh, we can all kind of agree. So uh, we do have the take a quick step off here on Offsides, 5.33 p.m. in Glassboro. Uh, Got to tell you quickly that on Sunday mornings from 10 until noon, join Rowan Radio for the Sunday Classical Brunch. Tune in as your host, Julia Tantner, brings you the sweet sounds of classical music. Listen to Bach, Beethoven, Mozart, and more this weekend on the Sunday Classical Brunch starting at 10 a.m. only on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. Also online at rowanradio.com. Monday Offsides here when we return. RowanRadio.com? What's this? A full program and sports schedule for WGLS so you never miss your favorite shows? Station archives to see the history of Rowan Radio? A virtual tour of the station? They even have podcasts too! Oh, and you can listen online! Ooh, I love this song! Go to RowanRadio.com for more Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. If I could be you... And you could be me... For just one hour. If you could find a way... To get inside each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. WGLS programming is made possible in part by Barnes & Noble, the official bookstore for Rowan University. Located at 201 Rowan Boulevard, Barnes & Noble is your number one choice for prof's gear as well as a wide assortment of gifts, accessories, and sportswear. The bookstore is open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., Saturday from 10 to 6, and Sunday, 10 until 6 p.m. The Starbucks Cafe opens 8 a.m. Monday through Friday and at 10 a.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. For more information, their website is rowanbookstore.bncollege.com. 
The Barnes & Noble Bookstore is proud to be a supporter of Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. Radio 89.7, RowanRadio.com, Channel 2, back here on this Monday afternoon, 5.35 p.m. As the sun starts to lower here in Glassboro, WGLS Studios, with your host Aaron Hook, I'm with Aiden Ray and Owen Colwell here on February the 19th, 2024, Uh, and guys, this week we have... Baseball, spring training, getting underway um, this week with the Dodgers and Padres taking off spring training on Thursday afternoon. The game will be on ESPN, um, and they will be playing uh, from the Padres complex in Arizona. And so a long offseason is, I think, finally behind us, guys. We're moving Really into again the start of you know spring training and it's that time of year like we talked about at the top of the show where everyone's kind of got these expectations about their own team and we get to see how you know the roster's going to shake out and which veterans or which guys competing for one of those final roster spots brought into spring training uh, are are going to flourish and all that. I I really do like uh, the you know start of spring training. It's just a chance. You know, to see a bunch of guys who, you know, maybe just are getting an opportunity uh, with a club uh, to come and, you know, receive that invite to spring training and get a chance to play in a few of the games and kind of make their mark. I remember for the Yankees, one of those guys back in 2019 was Gio Urshela, who had been with Cleveland, and he came into the Yankees that year and had a great 2019 season after really tearing it up in, in spring training as well. So, um, Dodgers Padres on Thursday, but I wanted to talk about a quote or really a series of quotes that has kind of gone viral here uh, as most teams, again, are opening up media availability today as spring training, uh, really the first week of spring training is is underway here on this Monday. The Angels, um, Anthony Rendon, who is entering his fifth season of a seven-year, $245 million deal he signed with Los Angeles after the 2019 season, obviously winning the World Series with the Washington Nationals that year. Anthony Rendon was fantastic that season for the Nats. Um, And so he went to the Angels and was going to team up with Mike Trout and Shohei Ohtani, and they were going to kind of be a big three in that order. Um, But Rendon... Really, when you look at his numbers um, and kind of just his tenure in L.A. as a whole with the Halos, it really has been a disappointment, especially for the size of that contract. Um, It's been tagged as one of the worst contracts in Major League Baseball the last few seasons now as Rendon has not played more than 60 games at any point over the last four seasons. 2020, obviously it was the shortened season, so we played 52 of the 60 games there. So, you know, whatever ratio you want to make that. So, I mean, okay, don't count that then. So the last three seasons, the last three seasons where there have been 162 games, he has failed to play more than 60. 58 games in 2021, 47 games in 2022, and 43 games last season. Last season, in those 43 games, he hit 236 with a 361 on base percentage, 318 slugging uh, for a 678 OPS. Over these last three seasons where he has failed to uh, laud more than 60 games in a single season, guys, his slash line. So this this, take his last three seasons combined, 148 games. This is the sample size for a guy who was arguably the best third baseman in the game in 2019. 2021 to 2023, 148 games for Anthony Rendon. 125 hits, 13 home runs, 80 RBIs, 235 average, 338 on base, 364 slugging, 701 OPS. That's a guy making a ridiculous amount of money, upwards of $40 million a year. Um, And so... 
he's kind of just been tagged as a player who, once he got that big contract, just kind of... <sighs> it's interesting, that the language that they use sometimes. Angels fans will tell you that he stopped caring about baseball as a whole. Got his money, got his contract, and just stopped training the same, stopped competing at the same level. Um, obviously, the injuries have been big for Rendon, but... You know, just his attitude about the game. Fans have kind of seen it decline ever since signing that big deal with the Angels uh, in in 2019. And with the Angels, um, you know, from 2020 on, you know, he he was good in that shortened season, yes. But the last three seasons, he's really been kind of a disaster. Um, There were some interesting quotes that happened uh, today as he spoke with reporters. Um... Rendon was asked multiple times, you know, where his mindset was coming into this season, if baseball was a priority for him. And Rendon said, this is a job. I do this to make a living. My faith, my family come first before this job. Rendon noted that getting married and having four kids has also changed his perspective on the game, which is totally fair. And Rendon said, if baseball were to get in the way of those things that he is leaving, um, he also said that he had been weighing the pros of uh, pros and cons of staying in baseball since at least 2014, back when he was uh, just a second-year player in the bid leads with the Nationals. So this is obviously a guy who has, for a while now, guys, seen baseball as, yes, yeah, something that obviously a guy who's gotten to this level and has been this good, he obviously loves the game. It's been a big part of his life. But he's a guy now uh, who at 33 years old, is seeing the game as something that could potentially get in the way of other things in his life. And he's just kind of, I think, sparked that sort of notion from the fans that he's put baseball on the back burner and he doesn't care, quote-unquote. How do you guys feel about some of the quotes that he had? Um, And, you know, does this kind of rub you the wrong way uh, with what Rendon is saying? Obviously, because, you know, there's there's two sides to every story. Um, Angels fans are upset. You're paying this guy all this money, uh, and he just has not really worked out whatsoever with getting hurt and, and just the, the poor level of play on the field when he has been on the field. Um, but then, obviously, there's the other side of it where, you know, the guy's mental is obviously very important, and this is a guy who, is, who has thought about uh, what baseball means to him in the grander scheme of things for the better part of a decade. Um, so this is nothing new for him. So where do you guys kind of stand on, on, on this issue? Um, so, yeah, I just – real stuff. It's just I get family and faith are, like, very, very important. But, like, baseball, there's a whole season. And, like, from 2021 to 2023, you decide to not even play a third of the season. Like – as you mentioned, 58, 47, and 43. Like, he's just, like, I get he's, like, just, like, not feeling, like, baseball that much because last year against the A's, like, he grabbed a fan and got mad. And, of course, he got suspended and fined for that. But, like, the on the Angels side, like, you're, you're giving them all this money to just not play, which is just greed. It's just you're being very greedy in that point. But, of course, this money came from when he had that, like, he had an incredibly phenomenal MVP season back in 2019 with the Nationals. So, that's the main reason why I got that money. But, like, you just cannot, like, you got to, like, keep playing and, like, compete. Because, like, of course, your baseball, soon your baseball days are going to be over and you're just going to, like, have, like, a full-on regret about this. There's people in this world who are, who would die to play baseball again? Who would do anything in the world? And Anthony Rendon just chooses to do this and just, like, doesn't, like, feel like it. Like, that's just that's just not what you want to see from – especially for Angel fans because they want – they definitely would want their team to be, like, somewhat good because they have not been any, like, sort of good since, like, that one year in 2014. So, Anthony Rendon – um. Yeah, this is just not like what what I want to see from a baseball from a baseball player. Yeah, I mean he's had three surgeries over the last three seasons: hip surgery in twenty one, wrist surgery in twenty two, and then last year there was an incident where the Angels had originally 
um, diagnosed him with a bone bruise. Um, that was kind of what had come out on the injury report, and then he was put on the 60-day IL for a bone bruise, and it was kind of like, well, that, that maybe doesn't match up. But then Rendon had been seeing his own personal doctors, not one that was assigned by the team, and he came out and said that he actually had fractured his tibia last year. So there was a whole kind of disagreement there with the with the team putting out a different injury on the injury report. So there's just been a lot of turmoil um, surrounding Rendon's tenure. Um, but he did say, you know, again, he was asked about baseball being a priority. Um, he said, oh, it's a priority for sure because it's my job. I'm here, aren't I? So he's clearly saying that, you know, he values the game. Just he thinks some things around his life. And obviously getting hurt three years in a row, Owen, will do that to you to where you're now sitting at the point where, yes, you are making all this money. You're a highly paid player. Um, one of the highest paid at your position in baseball, and you're expected to be an all-star caliber player year in and year out, even at you know the age of 33. Um, but just not being able to stay healthy and stay on the field the last three years has to weigh on you to the point where it, it's just tough to really kind of get back into that state of mind and to that level of play right now, Owen, if you are Anthony Rendon, who, like Aiden said, I mean, he was an MVP candidate in 2018 and 2019. Really, uh, a four-year stretch, 2016 to 2019, those four seasons, Anthony Rendon was legitimately one of the best third basemen in the game. I think you could say him and Arenado, Nolan Arenado, uh, were the two best third basemen in baseball during that, during that period. Yeah, I mean... I remember watching a Mets versus Nationals game back in 2017. And Anthony Rendon, the Nationals won that game 23 to 5. Anthony Rendon went 6 for 6 with 10 RBIs. And I just I think back to that time and I even think back to 2019 when the Nationals won the World Series obviously. Ever since that point, I really at the time I couldn't blame the Angels for offering Rendon that money because they obviously didn't think that year after year things were going to come up. But I will say things that Anthony Rendon has said, obviously, in the past three years, they've been very controversial. But I think the thing he said today, that might have been the least controversial to me because I at least could see some aspect of what he was saying. Other, other times, though, when he just decided that he wasn't going to speak to the media on certain days. Like, there's no excuse for that. But I think, I know things haven't worked out. I do feel bad for Angels fans because they haven't had a single thing go their way in a decade now. It's just that I I can understand where he says faith and family are important. But at the same time, this, this could, he has three more years left on the contract if if things don't start looking up for him, this could go down as possibly the worst contract of all time. <laughs> yeah, it would be one of those type of deals where you look back on it and you're like, the figure just combined with the level of production you got from him. Again, I mean, the one good season he's had in LA has unfortunately been like the, the shortened six-game season. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Angels didn't make the postseason. Uh, the, the Really, the, the top quote from the article was where he kind of said baseball has never been a top priority for me. And I, I kind of want to hit home on that point. Like he said, since 2014, since he was a second-year big leader, Owen, he's been thinking about the pros and cons of staying in the sport long-term and how that will affect his life off the field. So we're dealing, obviously, with a guy who is thinking beyond just the everyday in and outs of being an athlete. And, you know, he's obviously thinking long-term, and he has a family that – you know, he wants to be around for, and these are things that, you know, are not talked about all the times with athletes and, you know, getting the chance to kind of be present in their family's lives on a consistent basis. It's hard for a guy who plays 162 games a year, half of which are not, um, you know, in his city or, you know, I just have to play in the Dodgers it is, but you know what I mean? Uh, being on the road that much is obviously hard. Um, and so I, I think, again, I really do see both sides of the argument. I think if I was an Angels fan, I, I wouldn't probably be too happy with what he's saying. Yeah. But 
could I could I see where he's coming from? I I think so, and I agree with you. I think this is one of the more I would say kind of grounded things he's done recently. Like again, getting in a fight in the dugout. We've seen multiple instances now the last couple of years, like you said, in yelling at the fans. And Owen, you brought up just kind of declining to speak to the media. I think this, he kind of just put it out there about how he's been feeling and about how the game has just kind of not given much back to him the last three seasons, even though, again, he was an all-star caliber player uh, just a few seasons ago. Yeah, I mean, I hopefully, I wish nothing but the best for him, even though the past three years now have been not not easy by any means but he he was a very fun player to watch i watched him a lot as a national he had one of the smoothest swings i i've seen from a player he he played third base really well it it looked looked like he was kind of lollipopping throws over to first base but they were always right right on the money so he obviously i think he still can be a good player this in the in June of this year he'll turn 34 so he still has some time but i just think it is it is going to be something to look at is anthony rendon going to be able to turn around and be the player that the angels and their fans thought they would be when he signed there right and i think obviously with otani now departing they're going to need him more than they have in recent years to be kind of just a steady presence in that lineup and and remain healthy so um we shall see um how things shake out there with the angels in la um we also had just going back to the mlb i think for a final story of uh the day um we had the brooklyn nets firing uh, head coach Jock Vaughn um, after a kind of less than stellar start. Um, really, uh, <laughs> I just I were at the point where I can't really say start anymore. Just the Nets this season, um, you know, they're 21-33. and 33. They're two and a half games out of a play-in spot. They're 11th in the East. Um, the Nets have just kind of been mediocre this season uh, and – you know, defensively giving up 115 points per game. Uh, I think they were expected to be a bit better defensively uh, than that. And so Jock Vaughn is out in Brooklyn. Kevin Ollie, his top assistant, who uh, won a national title with UConn back in 2014, he is um, kind of the next man in line, I think, for the job. He'll, he'll, he'll be the top candidate to become the interim head coach. But, you know, Vaughn was obviously uh, brought in um, kind of on the coattails of the Steve Nash era in Brooklyn. And he came in where, you know, uh, KD and Kyrie were were still there in Brooklyn. And now he's kind of taken on a younger version of the Nets, a Nets team that's trying to kind of find out their identity with some of the newer pieces they have, you know, obviously like – Mattel Bridges and the emergence of, of Cam Thomas and Nick Claxton becoming more of a presence uh, there in Brooklyn as as you know he finds his role as a consistent NBA starter and uh, for Vaughn I think it was just kind of tough sledding because the roster this year was I don't think expected to do anything great I think they have been yes a bit disappointing um, you know with Mattel Bridges again and some of the defensive assets they have I would figure you know they would be a little bit better in that department but you know I don't know if you can blame kind of all of the uh all of the struggles of the Nets on Jock Vaughn just the the aftermath of the KD trade I think is still kind of there for Brooklyn um just trying to figure out how all these pieces fit and I just kind of think they thought Jock Vaughn maybe wasn't the right guy and so they've let him go so um what do we kind of think about the outlook of, of the Nets in the future? Um, again, they've got some good, some nice young pieces. Uh, I think now is kind of Connor where you made – or why did I just call you Connor? It's just Connor McAndrew just popped up on my phone. He's texting in the group chat. Guy's always got something to say, huh? Right? Always, really. always. Yep, always saying stuff. 
even if he took it a little too a little too far this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yes, fine. <laughs> we'll spare you, Connor. Um, guys, always mouthing off, but Owen is what I meant to say. Even though you don't look like Connor, you're both tall, so I, I got you mixed up. Aiden Doc called me Connor yesterday. See, so. okay, that makes me feel better. That mm-hmm. does. Um, <laughs> uh, Owen, where where does Brooklyn kind of go from here? I mean, I think that the Nets, just for the rest of the season, they got to spend some time thinking about who is part of their future and who isn't. Because, like you said, I think I don't think it's entirely uh, Jock Vaughn's fault because he was there when Kyrie was on his way out, when KD was on his way out. He was an assistant coach under Steve Nash, so obviously he saw it all, even going back to the times when Harden was on the team. And I just think having seen the Nets play in person this year, besides Mikael Bridges, they just do not have a very talented roster. And I think that um, up until next year, like they're going to have to spend some time. Is Cam Johnson a part of the future? He's obviously hurt right now, but Cam Thomas, we know he can score. What about on the defensive side, things like that. Is Ben Simmons going to finish out this year healthy and rebound next year into the player that he he was in Philly? I mean, I just think that the Nets this year, they will have to see what step to take. In games past, they've struggled to hold leads, and that's – I think what sent Jacques Vaughn out is that if they were to be around 500, I don't think they would have let him go. But they had end of December, early January, they just had a long losing streak where they were seemingly blowing leads every night. So it'll be interesting to see how the Nets finish out this year for sure. Yeah, and, you know, Vaughn last year after, you know, Steve Nash was there in Brooklyn for the first seven games, and obviously Tady was still there. Um and he was fired after a two and five start, and they bring in Jot Vaughn, and Jot Vaughn goes forty three and thirty two even after the Kevin Durant trade, gets the Nets into the playoffs. They get uh, matched up with the seventy Sitzers in the first round. The Nets are the sit seed. They avoid the play-in. and you know although they get swept, um, the Nets signed Jot Vaughn to a multi year extension. Um, thinking that he could potentially uh, be a guy who could lead them into the future. And Jacques Vaughn is one of the best guys in the NBA. He just is. He obviously has, um, like you said, Owen, a, a wealth of um, experience um, with the Nets. He's obviously been there uh, since 2016 as an assistant um, was the interim coach in 2020 as well when Kenny Atkinson was fired. So it was his really his second stint at the helm of the team. Um, had been an assistant with the Spurs and the Magic as well. This guy won an NBA title in 2007 with the Spurs. So obviously uh, he is one of the most, I think, just wealth of knowledge type of guys in the league. Incredibly smart. Trying to be a loyal guy, sticking with one organization for nearly a decade, um, and just a really, really good guy. So I think, you know, from a personal standpoint, it kind of sucks to see Jacques Vaughn um, be handed the uh, the the way out uh, in Brooklyn. But I think they certainly have been a little bit disappointing this season. And I think you're right, Owen. I think you know, just kind of figuring out where they go from here and figuring out which pieces you want to keep uh, for next year is going to be the really the big step for them. Uh, and it has been confirmed now that Kevin Ollie will be the interim head coach for the rest of the year um, for the uh, Brooklyn Nets, who, again, I mean, when you look at the standings, it's not like the Nets' season is lost or anything. They're two and a half games behind the Hawks for the 10th seed and the final spot in the play-in. So, you know, in the second half, if the Nets did on a little bit of a roll, they could definitely uh, sneak their way into a play-in spot. Um and obviously, once you're there, uh, you just kind of take it a step at a time. But Jock Vaughn fired by the Brooklyn Nets today, and Kevin Ollie set to take over as the interim head coach in Brooklyn. Okay, all right, 6 o'clock p.m. 
I think that's going to wrap it up here for us on offsides for Aiden Ray and Owen Colwell. Thank you guys both for coming in here with me today. I have been your host, Aaron Hook. You can listen to offsides uh, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday here on RowanRadio.com channel 2. This has been the Monday edition, so I hope you have a great rest of your Monday night, everybody, and we will see you next time. You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.